basically a cleanse. So aren't you glad you came to church today to talk about a cleanse? And, uh, you know, so we're in, we're in week two. And let me just say, I see some of you are hot, and I'm hot. Uh, we've got getting prices from a uh, company to see what it would take to tear out all these ducks. These ducks, as we've looked in them, are little bitty air ducks. So we've got one-fourth one fourth to one-fifth of the air conditioning power of a Walmart in this building, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? And, uh, and so we're going to look at maybe replacing the duct work, uh, which will be a dirty job because we're going to have to tear out the ceiling and, um, and get this thing blowing. It's either that or add little air conditioners here and there. And I think we've got enough, enough to where we just need to fix it to work right, so we'll let you know about that. But we're coming out of summer. And uh, people, some people are still on vacation or getting ready to go to a vacation, conferences. We're going to another conference. People are traveling, watching the Olympics, uh, even though it's the lowest watched Olympics that uh, I can remember. Um, and, uh, but, but during the summer, we stop doing things that we really ought to be doing, right? I mean, church attendance kind of drops off a little bit. We, we get a little bit lax in our quiet time. We eat things maybe that we shouldn't eat, more homemade ice cream, more snowballs, uh, you know, uh, I, I see y'all checking on Facebook at, uh, you know, different snowball stands and, and stuff. And, uh, and so we do things that we shouldn't really be doing. And, and, uh, and we stop doing things that we should. Like we get lax on our, our, our quiet time and coming to church and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so the 21 days of prayer is, is really aimed at refocusing us back on getting ready for the fall. Because, you know, the fall is a time of harvest in the physical, Right. Uh, you, the crops harvest and, you know, we get all this good, good veggies come up and all that. Well, spiritually speaking, the fall is kind of a time of harvest. It's my favorite time of year, you know. Football, you get, you get cool air down here. It's just one breeze of cool air. But, you know, you celebrate that anyway. And, and uh, I always love it in September. Every now and then in September you get a little break where it'll, it'll like go down under 70 at night, you know. And, and it's like, finally. Winter time is here, you know. I mean, it's just like, you know, and, and uh, of course, my brother's still sweating up in, in Georgia at 70, you know. But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you look forward to that. It's just a fun time. And so we want to refocus and get ready for that time. And, uh, and so the 21 days of prayer, uh, like I said, the, 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 the little guide is, is very simple. The main thing is the, is the morning and the evening. And then there's a little question or two about that's going to relate to what I'm preaching on on Sundays uh, in there for you to just think about and uh, do that. So in the mornings, we want to acknowledge and thank God, talk to God, read and submit to his word, maintain meaningful relationships, surrender your life to the Lord. Every day, we need to do those things. And in the evening, I think, I mean, you know, once again, we start out with gratitude and thanks, and we thank God for what he's done during the day and, and all that. And, and then awareness is simply talking about uh, you know, being aware of, of, of maybe when you weren't quite the best version of yourself that day. Uh, you know, when, when somebody cuts you off in traffic and you call, call them moron or something. And, and uh, you know, and, or you beep your horn. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day, beeped his horn and somebody cut him off. And then they cut him off uh, in a neighborhood and pulled a gun on him. So don't do any of that, all right? Uh, so we want to, we want to, uh, be aware of what's going on and, and how we can and ask God to help us be a better version of ourselves. Uh, significant moments. What, what good happened in the last 24 hours? Can you imagine if every day we start thinking about good stuff that's happened and thanking God for it and all that? 
it'll, it'll really change our attitude, our outlook. Peace is simply where we're inviting God to forgive us for things we've, we've done against him or others. Freedom. Uh, and then praying for others. We want to pray for others on a daily basis. So just read through that. Hopefully that'll help. That, that, uh, some of that came out of a book, When God Laughed. And uh, it's a real cool idea of, of praying through those things and thinking that. Now, like I said, we normally don't fast and pray in August. We, we, I would say feast, but Pastor Kathy told me not to say that. Although we do have carrot cake out in the front. So, I mean, uh, you know, but uh, we, we, we need to detox. You know, there are things that creep in our life that we need to cleanse ourselves of. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we need to do that spiritually, physically, mentally, socially. So look at your definition. Detox is the removal of a toxic substance from a living organism. So something that's toxic to my life. Today we're going to look at things that are toxic to my spiritual life. And, uh, you know, but we all need, we all have things that pollute us, which reminds me of Boudreaux. Boudreaux, one time he went out and he had himself too much to drink. And uh, so he got himself pulled over driving home, and the officer asked him, said, Boudreaux, you been drinking? And Boudreaux said, only water. And the officer said, but I smell some wine up in there. And he said, look, he done gone and done it again. He done turned that water into wine. And uh, he's talking about Jesus, you know. And so, uh, you know, the officer said, no, get out of the car, Boudreaux. So we're going to do a breathalyzer. Boudreaux said, I can't do that. He said, why not? He said, I'm asthmatic. I might die. And he said, well, we're going to uh, do a blood test. We're going to do a, you know, we're going to take a blood test. He said, I can't do that. I'm a hemophiliac. I might bleed to death. And the officer said, well, then Boudreaux, I want you to walk this straight line. He said, I can't do that. He said, why not? I'm drunk. And uh, so Boudreaux had some toxins in him, all right? And, uh, and so we want, we want uh, to get those toxins out of our lives. And uh, maybe Boudreaux's listening. I don't know, but... So we need to detox from different things. And so let's le- read our passage today, 2 Corinthians 6, Paul's writing. And he starts out, and uh, I'm going to hit on a couple of things, but we're going to focus in on what we need to detox. One, he said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Man, we get in trouble when we do that, whether it's dating. I see so many people, they'll start dating. Now, I'm a Christian. I love God. I'm dating a scoundrel over here, you know, and and. And thinking, I'm going to get him to love God. It never works that way. They always go the other way. And, uh, and so when we're, he said, don't team up with unbelievers. It means be yoked to, or some translations will say. He said, how can righteousness be partnered with wickedness? And by the way, that goes to being in business and stuff like that. How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be with God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. When you become a Christian, the Lord lives inside you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, you had the temple in Israel, and that's still kind of a point of contention over there. But God said in the New Covenant, when Jesus came, we're the temple of God. And so my body is the temple of the Lord. And, and, um, and so... And so God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. See, God wants to live in us, and, and, and we're his people. We're his family. And, and so we're to be different. So he said this, therefore, because I'm living in you, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them. This is the hardest thing when people are in recovery, is you've got to change your people, places, and things. When I became a Christian, 
There were certain friends I quit hanging out with as much because they were not going in the same direction I was going in. There was a group of about 10 guys that we all became Christians at the same time, and we formed some friendships that were deep and exist today because we were going in the same direction. Those other guys are still out there somewhere. I don't know. And, uh, and so this is the hardest thing about recovery. People have got to change their friendships. And, and we just, oh, man, I can't leave my friends even though he's drunk every day. I mean, you know, and so what, what that means is you're going to be drunk every day eventually. It just, bad company corrupts good character every time. It's a scriptural deal. And so he says, come out, separate yourselves from them. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. I will be your father, and you'll be my son, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, here's what he says, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. So we're going to be talking about things that defile our spirit and cleansing ourselves today. Now, there's way more than what I'm going to be talking about. Now, I don't want you to get confused. Salvation is free. It's a grace. It's the free gift of God. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation there's nothing I can do to keep my salvation because it's a gift from God. My best is never good enough. And so I can get on that little wheel we talked about, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I can just run, 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 run. I'll never be good enough. Now I can live in the, in the tree of life and grace, and now I'm going to do the same things, but I'm doing them for a different reason. And, uh, and so grace, we don't deserve it, and you never will deserve it. But God, God loves us, and so he says, listen, I'm... My son's paying the price for all your sins. All of them. You just got to receive him. You got to trust him with your life. And follow him. Now here's the thing. God loves you right where you are. He loves each person. He loves them in the crack house. He loves them wherever they are. And he will save them out of that. But he loves them too much to leave them there. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves you too much to leave you in your bitterness. He loves you too much to leave you in your immorality. He loves you too much to leave you in your greed or whatever it is you struggle with. He loves you too much to leave you there. And so he's wanting us to cleanse ourselves. And that's what we're talking about. And he says, come out of them. Uh, you know, and so we need to, we're going to look at what's in our life maybe that needs to come out. You know, and uh, we're, we're saved. But how much God works in us and what he can do in us kind of depends on us as far as how much of God we give uh, of ourselves, We give to God. And, and so we're going to look at that. So what are some symptoms that we need to spirit detox? Look at Psalm 13 too. It says, how long must I struggle? Circle that word, struggle. So we struggle. People today are struggling with these things. And he said, how much long must I struggle with, what does he say? anguish in my soul. You know what that's talking about? Anxiety. Anxiety. Huh? Anti-anxiety medicine. Man, that's like a big profit center. Nobody's ever going to cure anxiety because the drug companies make too much money selling us medicine for it. But God's got a cure for that. Uh, and he says, how, much, how long must I struggle with sorrow in my heart? Depression. Sorrow in my heart every day. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? being defeated and, 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 and all of that. You know, that, that's what happens. We wrestle with things in our lives, in our thoughts, our hearts. And, and, if, and if any of you have, have ever struggled with that or you're struggling with that, you need a cleanse today. You're in the right place. We're going to have a detox. Jesus didn't come just so you could I, and I could live uh, an anxious and depressed life. He said, that's not what John 10.10 10 said. It says Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. And that's what we want. 
And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about spirit detox today. You know, in Romans 7, you know, if you struggle, don't think that it's bad. I mean, Pastor Kathy, you know, we've, we have conversations a lot of times with people that think that what they've done is so bad that God can never forgive them. You see, when Jesus said, when, 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 when they said, if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you, there's a word, three-letter word right there, all of your sins. It doesn't matter if, if one of those was, was murder, rape, abortion. It doesn't matter what it was. It, it, all is all of them. He forgives them all. And, and so we run into people that struggle. But you're in good company because Paul struggled. In Romans 7, Paul said this, So the trouble is not with the law or the word of God, for it's spiritual and good. He said, The trouble is with me. I'm all too human. Now, this is Paul, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the Bible, the New Testament. He said, I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I want to, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows I agree the law is good. So I know I'm not the one doing wrong, but sin living in me does it. And there, I know nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what's right. But I can't. Anybody besides me ever felt that way? I mean, you want to do right. It's like the little boy that the grocer caught saying, it looks like you're trying to take one of my candies. He said, no, sir, I'm trying not to take one of your candies. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the struggle we have. And, uh, and so we want to do what's good, but we don't. And so Paul struggled with that, and he shows us that we struggle with that. But the good news is he wrote a chapter 8. Somebody said, oh, yeah, that's good. He says this in verse 5. He said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Think about sinful things. You know why we're dominated by the sinful nature? Because we think about sinful things. You know why we think about sinful things? We're dominated by the sinful nature. We've got this sin nature in us. And, we, and, and, and when you allow that thing to get loose, you start thinking about sinful things. You start thinking about how you can get around uh, you know, the rules and how you can... You know, get over here and just not get burned, or you can you can go so fast and not get caught, or whatever. You know, you start you start thinking about those things all the time. He said, "But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Lord." You see, when we allow the Holy Spirit to control us, we start thinking about what we can do to help somebody, how we can give a word of encouragement to somebody. We start thinking about things that please God when we allow the Holy Spirit. See. They're, they're contrasting natures. They're contrasting natures. He said, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many of y'all want life and peace? Some of y'all's hands didn't go up. You just want death? Okay. I mean, we want life and peace, right? He said, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. You've got to understand, the devil doesn't come with a pitchfork. The devil comes with temptation, and he knows your weaknesses. He's good at picking that out, and, and, and he knows what your weaknesses are, and he will come at you with those weaknesses. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, because he wants to destroy your life. And so, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. Let me tell you part of our sinful nature. Part of our sinful nature is trying to be good enough. It's trying to be good enough. You can't be good enough. Matter of fact, say this with me. I can't be good enough. And we never will. But Jesus made us good. See, that's, what, that's the thing. We can't ever be good enough. And, and so 
we, we can never please God. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature, Paul said. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then he says in parentheses, and remember, those who don't have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to him at all. And so Christ lives within you even though your body will die because of sin. The Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. didn't say because you got right with God. It said because he made you right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Living inside each one of us is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that, that created the world. Think about the power that we have access to for our lives that we do not use. We do not use. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as Christ raised, just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. That means He will allow us to follow the Spirit by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. He says, because we have the Spirit of God living in us, we're no longer obligated to follow our sinful nature. I'm preaching better than y'all amen. And that, that was an amen moment right there. I mean, that was a go ahead on, you know. I mean, we because it, that's, that's my story. I mean, you know, there's no one, two, three formula. It's you've got God in your life, and he will overcome the evil in your life. And, uh, and so that's what he's saying here. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature wants. Because if you live by its dictates, you will die. Here's what's going to die. Your, your career, your relationships, uh, you know, your peace, your relationship with, with other people. I mean, every part of your life will begin to die. Physically, you won't, you won't be healthy. Mentally, you'll, you'll start thinking wacky things, all kinds of stuff. That dies. So how do how do we get how do we get rid of some of those things that get in our old nature? And so uh, there's two words on your outline. It says starve it. Now, now when we do fast in the in the in January, I usually fast desserts. And y'all know I'm a dessert person. I mean, you know, my philosophy is eat dessert first. That way, if you get full, you don't eat salad. And uh, and and so. You know, I mean, you know, so I fast desserts. And by about the second day, really by about the afternoon of when we start, the paint on the wall starts looking like maybe it's got some sugar in it. You know, I mean, it just, it just starts looking good. Anybody with me on that? I mean, you, sugar is the most addictive thing on, on the planet. And, and, man, you start looking at that. And, and, you know, but after a few days, I'm detoxed from that. You know, and, and, and it's just like, and I don't ever want to eat Bluebell again. Now, that's a lie. Y'all know that. But, I mean, you know, you're feeling good, you know, pants that you hadn't worn in about 10 years fit again and, and stuff like that. And, and so, you know, you, you want to you starve that, that craving for sugar out of you. You know, my dad, he, he quit smoking uh, when the doctor told him you're going to die if you didn't. That gave him the motivation to do that. And, and, and man, he just detoxed himself off that. Now, he drank a lot of coffee, and he, he ate a lot of sugar-free Lifesavers. But he got off that stuff, and, and eventually he didn't crave it at all. And, uh, and so what are some things that we need to start? See, sometimes we forget how good it feels to not have some of that stuff in our lives. And I, I think sometimes we can forget how good it feels spiritually to not have these things in our lives. So number one, let's, let's starve doubt. You need to starve doubt. You know, doubt begins to sneak in. Maybe God didn't answer a prayer the way you wanted, and... 
and, uh, and you forget some of the things where God's answered your prayers before, let me tell you, that's why, Pastor Kathy's much better at this than me, but that's why it's good to journal and journal what God's doing. She'll go back and look five years ago at some answered prayers God did, and that builds her faith up. And, and so you, you go, well, he did it then, he'll do it now. He doesn't love me any less today than he did then. And, uh, and so you want to starve that doubt. So write this out there. It says starve doubt, and it says I will trust what God says. That's why we have those, the, the devotional books. It's got a reading plan in it. That's why we give you the one-year Bibles for the same thing we buy them for. That's why it's important to be in the Word of God every single day because how can you trust what God says? You've got to know what He says. And the more you read it and the more you see it work in your life, let me tell you, even knowing that it sometimes is a struggle, but Proverbs 15.1 where it says, says a soft answer turns away another person's wrath. I learned that uh, many years ago. I learned it actually originally as a teenager when I was outnumbered and I realized it was time to soft answer and negotiate, you know. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, um, but... You know, a soft answer turns away another person's anger. Because I've seen that work, man, that's, just, that's a go-to thing, I know. You know, and so whatever it is, you've got to trust what God says. Look what Proverbs 3, 5, Solomon, second smartest guy in the world, ever said Jesus was the smartest. But Solomon said this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Didn't say some of your heart, all of it. He wants us to go all in. He said, don't depend on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It's not just trusting him a little bit. I'm going to trust him with my, my spiritual life, but man, my kids and my job and all that, that's all on me, right? And, uh, and so you want to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Secondly, you want to starve negativity. You want to starve negativity. Write that down. Steve, check on the booth and see what's going on with the slides. And, uh, and so you want to starve negativity. You know, we just, we just get negative sometimes. We just get negative sometimes. I mean, you know, stuff won't go right, and you start feeling negative, and, and it just gets, and then all of a sudden you're talking negative, and you just go down this spiral, and we go down the toilet and with our attitude. Our, we just get negative. Uh, we get kind of like Winnie, you know, Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. How many of y'all remember Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore. We need to be a little bit more like Tigger. I got a Tigger quote for you. The wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. Their tops are made of rubber. Their bottoms are made of springs. They're bouncy, bouncy, flouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about Tigger is I'm the only one. I mean, we need more Tiggers in the world. I mean, you know. And, uh, and so uh, we need to be more, a little bit more like Tigger and a little bit less like Winnie the Pooh. So we got to starve negativity. Right out beside that, starve negativity, I will think what God thinks. How do we know what God thinks? We've got to get in the Word of God, right? We've got to get into the Word of God. Let me tell you, God will never think opposite of what He said in His written Word. So everything He said in His written Word, He's going to hold us, you know, that's what He's thinking. He's never going to think, hey, I want you to be hateful towards somebody. No, because he said love even your enemies, right? He's never going to say carry a grudge because he told us to forgive. He's never going to tell you to leave your wife and go marry somebody else because she's cuter because he hates 
divorce and, uh, and, and adultery and things like that. It, so we're, we've got to learn to think what God thinks. Look, Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. Who wants perfect peace? Whose mind is stayed on you. What does that mean? My mind is focused on God. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to keep me in peace. See, when, when, when my mind is focused on God, my problems are little bitty. When my mind is focused on the greatness of God, my problems are smaller, are smaller. He said, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We've got we've to think what God thinks, and guess what? When we focus our minds on him, we'll begin to trust him more and more and more. We allow God to transform our minds. I love Romans 12, 2, where it says, you know, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We renew our minds in the Word of God. And, uh, and so we want to starve negativity uh, and think about what God thinks. And you know this one's coming. We've got to starve neg- negativity by say, I'll say what God says. Because so much of the time, our words are what just get us down the toilet. We'll start talking negative, and then everything is negative that's coming out of our mouth. And, uh, and we'll just go negative, 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 negative. And we just keep talking about negative things. But I've got to start saying what God says. Now, let me tell you, negative is not saying, hey, I've got cancer. That's not, I mean, that's, that's a bad thing. That's not lack of faith or anything like that. Denial is not faith. Faith is saying, I've got cancer. God's going to heal it. I know God's going to heal it because he's not done with me or whatever. And I'm not saying I got cancer, so anybody on Facebook, that, none of that. But, but see, we've, we've got to say what God says. And, and, and so look what, look what one of the things, Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, hey, don't use foul or abusive language. In other words, be nice to each other. Let everything you say, wouldn't it be nice if everybody on Facebook and Twitter would just go by that? Don't use foul or abusive language. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at language in, in general in our culture. This is like educated people ought to be able to come up with more words to say than what most of them say. But on Facebook, you, you can be a coward and you just say whatever you want to say because, you know, there's no accountability on, or on Twitter or whatever. And people say all kinds of horrible things. As a Christian, I can't do that. It says don't use foul or abusive language. Then he says, let everything you say be good, good and helpful. I think we're picking up a channel here or something. Can y'all hear that or is it just me hearing that? Okay. Turn the monitors down, guys. Steve, if you can help with that. I don't know if he knows how to turn the monitors down. Um, so <laughs> I'm sitting here. Man, we got online coming in right here. Uh, so, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. If what I've got to say isn't going to help somebody, and, and me giving somebody a verbal beatdown is never going to help them. You know, it just doesn't help. It makes me feel better sometimes, but it doesn't help. So he says, let your words be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. We're to encourage people with our words, even in traffic. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to try that for the next 21 days. 21 days, we want to use uplifting words. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, bless you, my child. 
Say it sincerely, Jesus, help them. That way, if I give you the ugly eye, I was just praying for you. I mean, try and use good, good language. Try it. There was a guy that read a story about he had a real positive dad, and, and they would require their kids to put a buck in a jar every time they said a negative word. Then they'd take that jar and do something fun on vacation. And, uh, you know, and so uh, they, they use that as a learning. But those, those guys are very positive today. Uh, you know, we want to starve negativity and say what God says. The next thing we need to do is we need to starve sin. Sin is basically missing the mark. It's an archery term. It's where you miss the bullseye. And, uh, and so we get off the mark. You think some people have gotten off the mark in the last year and a half with this, back, with this pandemic going on? We got, we got stuck at home for months, right? I, I've run into people that are still afraid to come out of their house. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be comfortable, but God said it is not good for the man to be alone. We were created for relationships, and Zoom just doesn't cut it. And, and so um, that's why we do the things we can do to be safe. And, uh, but, but, you know, we get, we, we, we've, we've developed some things where we've missed the mark. We've just gotten off base. Maybe, you know, and what happened is initially everybody's watching on Facebook. I mean, the crowds were way higher. Across the board, they've dwindled. Big churches, little churches, doesn't matter. The numbers go down. Why? Because people start, well... I'll listen when I'm going out to the park. I'll listen when I'm going out and doing this. And all of a sudden, they're not even listening anymore. And so we, we've missed the mark. Uh, you know, uh, the secret to overcoming sin is to change our aim. That's why we want to refocus on God as we come back. Not just for church attendance, for our daily devotionals, all of that kind of stuff. We just get off the mark. And, uh, and some, sometimes we do that. So we repent. We change our aim. Uh, and, uh, and so we want to do that. I mean, it's easy during the summer to get your aim off. You're, you're trying to, I mean, for one, the kids are home from school, you know. <laughs> Some of y'all keeping grandkids, bless your heart. And, uh, and so uh, I'm glad mine live a little bit further away. But now they're old enough to, where you don't have to watch them. But, uh, but you know, you're, you, you, you just, it's time to refocus, you know, and get, get back out of summer. So we need to starve sin says, I will turn to what God wants. I will turn to what God wants. Starve sin. I will turn to what God wants. I'll turn to what God wants. I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to look back at what God wants me to do. I'm going to look back at what God wants me to do. He says, in, Paul said in Romans, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil. Whether it's my tongue, my eyes, my, my hands, whatever, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin, and here's, here's the thing where we're going to turn, the, turn the page here a little bit. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. So we've got to turn away from sin. We've got to, we've got to starve sin in our life. And, uh, and so uh, we, we take that kind of stuff out. And how do we do that? Well, we've, we've, got to put, we've got to go all in with God. We've got to go all in with God. So we've got to put some things back. Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And, uh, and so when Paul's saying one final thing, you know, that's an important thing. It's the last thing he's saying. That's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You can, uh, you can see it. He says, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And, uh, and so we, we begin to change what we think about. 
So we've got to put some things back in. So how do we do that? We feed it. We've got to feed our nature something. We've starved it, so now you've got to eat something. So when you've fasted sugar, should the first thing you go out and eat be one of Cindy's carrot cakes? I'm not fasting sugar, so I'm going to eat a piece. But I mean, you know what I mean? But you fasted. No, you want to put something back in its place. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to feed it God's word. Write that down. We're going to feed it God's word. Let me tell you, God's word is key to getting into us all the time. You've got culture today says it's a 4,000-year-old book. It's no good. It's not relevant today. It's as relevant today as the day it was it was written. And, uh, and so we've got to feed it God's word. That's why, that's why we want to we get, get the, the, we've got the reading plans on the devotional. You can go to the YouVersion app, and uh, there's a, the one-year Bibles on there. We've got one-year Bibles. If you like the paper versions, we'll, we'll uh, sell you those cheap. And so you want to you wanna feed your spirit God's word. That's, that's how we strengthen our spirit. Look what Psalm 1 says. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, who don't follow in the example of sinners or join in those who have no use for God. So that's they put off hanging out with those people. They've, they've starved themselves of that. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it night and day. Let me tell you something. There's not a better feeling in the world when you actually know God has told you to do something or, or there's something he's wanting you to do in your life, and you do it. It just feels good. It just feels good. And you go, man, well, I don't know why I don't do this all the time. Because <laughs> some of us are a little bit harder-headed than others. I mean, but, you know, I mean, you, it just feels good when you do that. He says, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord. They study it. We, we need to look at the Word of God for what He's saying to us, not just so you can read enough chapters. You might start the daily reading for today and get stuck on one verse, and that's okay. That verse is speaking to you. And, 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 and none of it might mean anything until you get to the last verse you're reading, and that's the one you meditate on. God will speak to you through His Word. Romans 12, 2 said, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How do we change the way we think? We read his word. I, I start reading his word, and I see what Jesus says about how to handle uh, evil people or how to handle people who are my enemies or how to handle people who do this or whatever. And, and you learn that, you know, forgiveness works. Works for me. They may not accept it, but when I forgive, it works. So feed it's God's word, and there's a blank out there that says, I will, and that's for you to fill out. Might be, I'm going to get up. 15 minutes early for the next 21 days, and I'm going to do the first 15. I'm going to spend five minutes in praise uh, and worship, five minutes in prayer, and five minutes in, in the Word, or just that I'm going to start reading the one-year Bible. Uh, it could be that. You write whatever that is down, and uh, you can start doing that. The second thing we want to feed it is worship. We want to feed it worship. That's what we're doing today. We worship, and uh, we want to feed it worship. Put some worship music on. Spend the next 21 days. Get rid of your secular music. And put your worship music on. Put your worship music on. Listen to worship music. Uh, you know, uh, it's like, uh, you know, somebody said, well, did you hear so-and-so sing this song? No, I hadn't. All I listen to is worship music pretty much. And, uh, and, uh, and so, but, but do that. See the difference that it makes. I mean, when Paul said, hey, think on things that are good and honorable and honorable and all that kind of stuff, worship, thinking about God. When you're thinking about how powerful God is, how loving God is, how grace-filled God is, and you're hearing that, 
And something about worship music hits your spirit. It hits your spirit. And so feed it worship. And there's a blank out there for you. It says, I will. I'll turn to Caleb. I'm going to put my radio on 89.1 when I'm in the car. Get it off of 870 for a little while. Uh, you know, you'll go crazy if you listen to 870. But um, except for news and weather. So, so change it. Worship. And finally, feed your spirit prayer. Feed your spirit. That's what we're doing for 21 days. Just a little extra time. Uh, you know, it'll take you a little time to do that, those things I listed on that on that prayer guide for you. But uh, and, and by the way, they're folded backwards, so you're going to have to fold them the other way. Uh, for some reason, that machine, what, oh, Larry fixed them all, was just not cooperating with me. And uh, I'm sure there's a user error on my part that somebody would, that knows how to do that kind of stuff can do, but I couldn't make it print right. Second Chronicles seven fourteen said, If my people who are called by my name, are y'all called by his name? Absolutely you are. Will humble themselves and pray. You know what humble themselves means? Just I don't have all the answers. God, I don't know what the answer is for our country. I don't know what the answer is for the world. I don't know what the answer is to the craziness out there and the, the crime that's going up. I don't know the answers to those things. I, mean, I got some ideas, but I don't have the answers. But God does. So we humble ourselves, recognize that, and he said, and pray and seek my face. We just want to seek the face of God for the next 21 days. And here's a kicker, he said, and turn from their wicked ways. We've kind of been talking about that on Wednesday nights where we've got to get on the right frequency. And we're talking about starving sin, starving doubt, and star starving negativity. So we get away from those wicked ways, and we pray and we seek God's face. I believe if we give God that time, I believe he'll speak to you. And I believe if you ask, he'll speak to you. I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. I challenge you, this for the next 21 days, give God some, some time in prayer. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me? I think if you give him a chance, he'll identify an area of your life that he wants to change. I mean, David asked God to say, David said, it's show me, Lord, if there's anything offensive in me. I've told you the story when I prayed that prayer, I was in seminary, a little dog had his nose on my on the couch right by my leg and man for 45 minutes God was revealing things I needed to confess to him he'll do that for you so Father I just pray God that Lord you'll help us to detoxify our spirits of doubt, negativity and sin so that Lord we can focus on you so we can feed our spirits your word worship and we can pray so Lord I just I, I gotta pray detox our spirits during this time let us get these things out of us and keep us from hearing from you if you're here today and it may sound like I'm talking something you don't understand maybe maybe you've never established a relationship with Christ you can't detox and fill yourself with the word and the spirit and all that until you receive Jesus as your Savior. I know Pastor Kathy prayed with you earlier. I just want to tell you, today's the day. It's time to surrender everything to Jesus. And that's what salvation is. It's saying, Lord, I'm tired of living it my way. I want to live your way. I want to try it your way. I did that many years ago, and I've, I've never gone back on that because his way is so much better. 
surrendering control of your life to Jesus. So if you're if you're watching or if you're here and you've never received Jesus, see, I, I wanted that rich and satisfying life. I wanted a peace when I closed my eyes that I wasn't angry and frustrated and, and all that. And, and so I just I reached out to the Lord and I said, Lord, I need you. He came into my life. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. Let's everybody just pray it out loud today. And just Maybe if, for those of you you've never have, if you mean this prayer, no magic in the words. It's just a prayer I prayed a lot of years ago. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. Give me power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you might be thinking, that's way too simple. It's too good to be true. It's not. It's not too good to be true. You see, we, we just got to receive.